Section 39 of Greece and Rome. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April 6090, California, United States of America. The World's Story, Volume 4. Greece and Rome. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 39. How Rome was founded. 753 B.C. By Jacob Abbott. Aeneas married Lavinia, the daughter of Latinus, and in her honor he gave the name of Lavinium to the city, which he built. He was succeeded by Ascanius, who built Alba Longa. Three hundred years later, one Amulius managed to drive from the throne his brother, Numitor, the rightful king. He killed Numitor's son and made his daughter, Rhea Silvia, a priestess of Vesta. These priestesses were forbidden to marry, and therefore Amulius thought that there would be no heir to disturb him. One day, however, he learned that Rhea Silvia was the mother of twin sons, whose father was the god Mars. Amulius put her to death and ordered the babies to be thrown into the Tiber. The man to whom this order was given seems to have felt some compassion for the children, and to have left them in a pool made by the overflow of the river. The water soon subsided and left the twins on dry land, but crying with hunger. A she-wolf heard them, bore them to her den, and nursed them, as if they had been her own cubs. They were taken away from her by a shepherd named Faustulus, who brought them up as his own children. After they were grown up, they learned that they were grandsons of the king. They called together their shepherd friends, put the usurper to death, and placed their grandfather on the throne. Then they set to work to build a city for themselves. The Editor There were seven distinct hills on the ground, which was subsequently included within the limits of Rome. Between and among these hills, the river meandered by, sweeping in graceful curves, and at one point, near the center of what is now the city, the stream passed very near the foot of one of the elevations called the Palatine Hill. Here was the spot where the wooden ark in which Romulus and Remus had been set adrift had been thrown upon the shore. The sides of the hill were steep, and between it and the river there was in one part a deep morass. Romulus thought, on surveying the ground with Remus his brother, that this was the best spot for building the city. They could set apart a sufficient space of level ground around the foot of the hill for the houses, enclosing the whole with a wall, while the top of the hill itself might be fortified to form the citadel. The wall and the steep acclivity of the ground would form a protection on three sides of the enclosure, while the morass alone would be a sufficient defense on the part toward the river. Then Romulus was specially desirous to select this spot as the site as it was here that he and his brother had been saved from destruction in so wonderful a manner. Remus, however, did not concur in these views. A little further down the stream there was another elevation called the Aventine Hill, which seemed to him more suitable for the site of a town. The sides were less precipitous, and thus were more convenient for building ground. Then the land in the immediate vicinity was better adapted to the purposes which they had in view. In a word, the Aventine Hill was, as Remus thought, for every substantial reason, much the best locality, 
and as for the fact of their having been washed ashore at the foot of the other hill it was in his opinion an insignificant circumstance wholly unworthy of being taken seriously into the account it laying the foundation of a city the brothers therefore having each expressed his preference in respect to the best place for the city were equally unwilling to recede from the ground which they had taken remus thought that there was no reason why he should yield to romulus and romulus was equally unwilling to give way to remus neither could yield in fact without in some sense admitting the superiority of the other the respective partisans of the two leaders began to take sides and the dissension threatened to become a serious quarrel finally being not quite ready for an open rupture they concluded to refer the question to numitor and to abide by his decision they expected that he would come and view the ground and so decide where it was best that the city should be built and thus terminate the controversy but numitor was too sagacious to hazard the responsibility of deciding between two such equally matched and powerful opponents he endeavored to soothe and quiet the excited feelings of his grandsons and finally recommended to them to appeal to augury to decide the question augury was a mode of ascertaining the divine will in respect to questions of expediency or duty by means of certain prognostications and signs these omens were of various kinds but perhaps the most common were the appearances observed in watching the flight of birds through the air it was agreed between remus and romulus in accordance with the advice of numitor that the question at issue between them should be decided in this way they were to take their stations on the two hills respectively the palatine and the aventine and watch for vultures it was to certain appearances indicated in the flight of these birds such as the number that were seen at a time the quarter of the heavens in which they appeared the direction in which they flew as from left to right or from right to left that the people of numitor's day were accustomed to look for omens and auguries so romulus and remus took their stations on the hills which they had severely chosen each surrounded by a company of his own adherents and friends and began to watch the skies it was agreed that the decision of the question between the two hills should be determined by the omens which should appear to the respective observers stationed upon them but it happened unfortunately that the rules for the interpretation of auguries and omens were far too indefinite and vague to answer the purpose for which they were now appealed to the most unequivocal distinctness and directness in giving its responses is a very essential requisite in any tribunal that is called upon as an umpire to settle disputes while the ancient auguries and oracles were always susceptible of a great variety of interpretations when remus and romulus commenced their watch no vultures were to be seen from either hill they waited till evening still none appeared they continued to watch through the night in the morning a messenger came over from the, the palatine hill to remus on the aventine informing him that vultures had appeared to romulus remus did not believe it at last however the birds really came into view a flock of six were seen by remus and afterward one of twelve by romulus the observations were then suspended and the parties came together to confer in respect to the result but the dispute instead of being settled was found to be in a worse condition than ever the point now to be determined was whether six vultures seen first or twelve seen afterward were the better omen that is whether numbers or simple priority of appearance 
should decide the question. In contending in respect to this nice point, the brothers became more angry with each other than ever. The respective partisans took sides in the contest, which resulted finally in an open and violent collision. Romulus and Remus themselves seemed to have commenced the affray by attacking one another. Faustulus, their foster father, who, from having had the care of them from their earliest infancy, felt for them in almost parental affection, rushed between them to prevent them from shedding each other's blood. He was struck down and killed on the spot by some unknown hand. A brother of Faustulus, too, named Plistinus, who had lived near him and had known the boys from their infancy and had often assisted in taking care of them, was killed in the endeavor to aid his brother to appease the tumult. At length the disturbance was quelled. The result of the conflict, however, to show that Romulus and his party were the strongest. Romulus accordingly went on to build the walls of the city at the spot which he had first chosen. The lines were marked out and the excavations were commenced with great ceremony. In laying out the work, the first thing to be done was to draw the lines of what was called the pomerium. The pomerium was a sort of symbolical wall and was formed simply by turning a furrow with a plow all around the city at a considerable distance from the real walls for the purpose not of establishing lines of defence but of marking out what were to be the limits of the corporation so to speak for legal and ceremonial purposes the pomorium included a much greater space than the real walls and the people were allowed to build houses anywhere within this outer enclosure or even without it though not very near to it those who built thus were of course not protected in case of an attack and of course they would in such case be compelled to abandon their houses and retreat for safety within the proper walls so romulus proceeded to mark out the pomerium of the city employing in the work the ceremonies customary on such occasions the plough used was made of copper and for a team to draw it a bullock and a heifer were yoked together men appointed for the purpose followed the plough and carefully turned over the clods toward the wall of the city this seems to have been considered an essential part of the ceremony at the places where roads were to pass in toward the gates of the city the plough was lifted out of the ground and carried over the requisite space so as to leave the turf at those points unbroken this was a necessary precaution for there was a certain consecrating influence that was exerted by this ceremonial ploughing which hallowed the ground wherever it passed in a manner that would very seriously interfere with its usefulness as a public road the form of the space enclosed by the pomerium as romulus ploughed it was nearly square and it included not merely the palatine hill itself but a considerable portion of level land around it though romulus thus seemed to have conquered in the strife with remus the difficulty was not yet fully settled remus was very little disposed to acquiesce in his brother's assumed superiority over him he was sullen morose and ill at ease and was inclined to take little part in the proceedings which were going on finally an occasion occurred which produced a crisis and brought the rivalry and enmity of the brothers suddenly and forever to an end remus was one day standing by a part of the wall which his brothers as workmen were building and expressing in various ways and with great freedom his opinions of his brothers's plans and finally he began to speak contemptuously of the wall which the workmen were building romulus all the time was standing by at length in order to enforce what he said about the insufficiency of the work 
remus leaped over a portion of it saying this is the way the enemy will leap over your wall hereupon romulus seized a mattock from the hands of one of the laborers and struck his brother down to the ground with it saying and this is the way that we will kill them if they do remus was killed by the blow end of section thirty nine this recording is in the public domain